With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Crowd cheers. Here's Siddle. He's got Welcome back to the second part of a two-parter that we're doing. We're recording on the same night as the last episode. We've had some pizza, some coffee, uh, some beer, kind of yeah, combining the two, getting the right chemistry. All recharged. Um, you're listening to Two Slips in a Gully, by the way. Um, and in this episode, we're going to cover everything that was not Australia-England in the world of cricket. Um, and we did know, uh, mention that it was a great... Uh, Time for cricket. Well, specifically um, test cricket. To, yeah, specifically test cricket. Um, so we're going to cover the uh, India-West Indies game and also the Sri Lanka-New Zealand game. So one of them was the second test. That was the Sri Lanka-New Zealand. Yeah. And was it just the first test between West Indies and yeah, India? Yeah, the first test. It was the New Zealand-Sri Lanka one was the second test of a two-test series. That ended up being... Uh, drawn at one all and the test between India and the West Indies was the first of their test series um, yeah so like like we said in the uh, our other the other episode dealing with the Ashes it's been a great week great week for test cricket um, three test matches all going weather affected games in, in two of them um, still managed to, to to manage to find a result in over five days some really entertaining cricket being played you know momentum swings in both games it was um you know, milestones That's, for players. It's really, really, really great, really great week for Test cricket. What I love about Test cricket is that there is a variety of situations that you're going to be dropped in, which you don't get from your other. Well, look, you do get it, but you don't get it as as uh, much or as extremely as you do in Test cricket. Like in 2020, you know that you've got to go for it. You know that if you if you're throwing the bat and getting out, no one's going to blame you. Same sort of thing for the fifty over game. Everything that you need to do is kind of cut out for you 
Whereas in test cricket... You need to be adaptable. You need, yeah, exactly. You might need to just hunker down for a while and just not score any runs. You might need to... And, and, and different players will go about it in different ways. And I think that's why chess cricket's always got to be the pinnacle. Well, when you look at it, like the uh, we'll get into breaking down the games uh, more comprehensively in a moment, but that New Zealand game was quite a great example of that. You know, test cricket usually goes in, bat first, bat second, bat third, bat fourth, and, you know, when you're batting fourth, you're hoping to chase down a score or, um, you know, and the other team's hoping to get you out. That New Zealand-Sri Lanka game was weather-affected and, uh, New Zealand decided that what they were going to do is bat long and give themselves a, a big lead and hopefully enough time at the end of day five to bowl Sri Lanka out without needing to bat again and that's exactly what they did. So, you know, there's you know, the old saying there's more than one way to skin a cat so you just got to find a way to win and that's what we love about test cricket is that um, there's just so many avenues that you can go down to get from the beginning of a test match to the end of one and every, every minute of test cricket's you know, there's no dead rubber really in a game in a test match. You know, there's always something to play for, and that's yeah. While we we think that test cricket's the pinnacle. Go on, straight down the throat of first slip. All right, so let's get into it. We'll have a chat about the um, Windies versus India first test. So that's over in the West Indies. Really promising start from that West Indies team. Knocked over um, three three big wickets for India early. They got Agarwal. Bajara and Coley, all really cheap. Coley keeping his World Cup form going. (laughs) (laughs) You're just really, you're just really just taking all our chances of cracking the Indian market and just like burying them in a deep, deep. I have (laughs) profound respect for many Indian players. (laughs) Bajara, I like like Bajara. Yeah, look, he's a tough, tough competitor. Oh, look, we, we, we. we respect Coley. We don't like him very much, but it would be yeah. crazy to say we don't That's respect his, him as a player. He's the pantomime villain. He's, he's got the fake moustache with the curly, like, oh. Yeah, he's, he's tormented our dreams as Australian cricket fans for, for so long. But there's no doubting his ability as a player. Yeah, um, you have to watch him bat every time he comes over. He just spends hours in the crease over you. Yeah, just kills us every time. Um, yeah. I just say about this West Indies, like I think they they you can see that there's they're on their way. They've got a really good, quick bowling battery. I think yeah. I saw a statistic from the beginning of 2018 that bowling attack is averaging like 23 runs a wicket or mm. something like that. It's really really good. They just uh, need get, some top order batsmen to complement them. They're not far away from I, being a competitive I, side. I guess that's the flip side though of this uh, the victory against England they had in the in the home series where they they just frocked up and said straight straight away guys we're um it's not going to be fun to be a West Indian bats, batsman for a while but um it's going to be great to be a bowler and they're just going back to that Calypso style of cricket and just bowling fast really like I don't know I think some good young fast bowlers but yeah it's kind of flipped it on their head now because yeah. uh India bore the fruit of uh, some pretty good pacey wickets there I think uh Kamar Roach's efforts have to be commended because he doesn't have the pace that he had when he came out and hit Ricky Ponting in the head. You know, he was a tearaway, express quick. Um, And then he he got injured and doesn't have quite that pace anymore, I don't think. I think he can still bowl high 130. He's still hitting 140. Low 140s, he's sort of in that But he's, you know, he's he's not going to hit 150 anymore. Been a bit of a renaissance for... For him as well, for Kemar Roach, he's sort of you had that sort of period where he was in and out of the side, and you thought his career was pretty much done, and he's sort of yeah. 
got his way back in and he just has really made a fist of it. He's yeah, great my, my point up. is that he, he now relies a bit more on hitting the seam and, and a bit more movement mm. than he does um, just completely, you know, blowing the well, batsman he got, away. He got four for, I believe, in the first innings. A really good show. And he was, um, yeah, like the West Indies bowling attack isn't far away. They're getting close to that uh, that battery. Not, maybe not quite the same intimidating yeah. West Indian quick bowling battery they used to have but it's certainly an effective battery like the yeah. Yeah. Um, well they held India for under 300 um, certainly did the damage with the new ball um, it was really like intriguing cricket especially considering when that was happening I could see nothing but storm clouds and covers at Headingly so I had both my TVs going at my house trying to watch <laughs> two games of cricket at once it was you were um, probably playing ICC on your computer too I was I did have I had cricket captain going on my tablet I had one TV looking directly at uh, yeah. replays of I believe it was the um, it was one of the old 2000 I think it was a 13-14 Ashes series I think it was at Perth they may have played because it was raining, and the other one had live test cricket going over in the windies. It was great. My made my night, and it was yeah, Life really, ex- really exciting stuff. Um, unfortunately, they couldn't capitalise when they went out to bat. They got uh, done for about two hundred and twenty odd. The disappointing thing is there is everyone in that top eight got to start. Yes. Um, what's what's Darren Bravo doing? He was he was supposed to be the guy that that built them back up. You know he's. Brian Lara's half-brother or cousin or something. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a little bit more... Um, Certainly some technical compact. similarities between... You're watching him bat and you're like, that looks like Brian Lara. And he just has never really managed to make Test cricket his home. Like, yeah, there's just... They're not they're not far away. They're just... A, I think they're just two good batsmen away from being a real dark yeah. horse in this World Test Championship. I, I think Craig Braithwaite is a really underrated player as well. Um, he's not flashy, um, heavily back foot, but um, a guy who just... Put some in. value on his wicket too. Yeah, I, I think he might be a future captain of the, the side. I, I don't know. Um, I think Australia could do with a guy like him at the moment. Got Roston Chase and Shy Hope in that middle order. Yeah, now Roston Chase, he's a handy player. I mean, well, he was their lead spinner for this test. I didn't go yeah. in with a frontline spinner. Yeah, well, he can play that Carl Hooper role. Um, that you know they had Carl Hooper in the nineties, who would bowl a few off spinners. while they just picked four quick bowlers and rotated them, and when yeah. they, and like Carl, Carl Hooper could, could keep his position in the side as a as a batsman, and I think that's. What Roston Chase has to look to do, and and the bowling can be a bonus, but he took some wickets too. In that, yeah, in that, he's yeah. been well, and then you get down to the guys like Shy Hope, who's looked like um, he's probably the closest, I reckon, to being that, he that looks glue guy in the middle order. He's done it more in one day cricket than he has in, in Test cricket. But um, yeah, you know, I remember having some really good innings over in um, in England and that tour over there. So. The, the makings of a really good West Indian side are there, like especially with um, um, the, the captain, uh, Jason Holder. He's like he's one of our favourite players going around, I think, and yeah. we all agree on that. We're really big fans of Jason Holder. Well, well Holder, yeah. before, before, um, before Stokes came around, I think he was... He was that guy that I was sitting there just saying, please just find another Jason Holder to replace Mitch Bass in an Australian team. Like, just a guy like that who's just... He's he's definitely not going to be... you know, He's, he's not going to be your headline all-rounder in 
in any format, I don't think. But he's just that guy who, you know, he, he, he he's miserly with the ball and he he's just a real competitor with the bat. Like he's definitely you can tell it's not it's not his first thing. It's like he's he's coming to it quite late, but he's just he's willing to willing to fight quite hard with the bat and it's just so admirable. I remember that like going back to that that draw against England what four years ago now or something like that where he just he fought hard for basically what four sessions he, or something. He like won that. a game for him. He scored hundred and fifty batting at eight and won a game against him. I think it was in the West Indies. Like he's has some really good yeah. I think he's got a test double hundred um yeah um as well like uh, I don't know about test. I actually probably does. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was Jason. Jason Holder ended up getting that test double hundred. He's he's a great player. Um, really big fan of his. His bowling's come along. He's that miserly, like controlling the run rate sort of guy. You know, he's coming. And he balances out the other two. Mm. He's got I that release. Two hundred and two. Yeah. All oh, right. Sorry. I'm yeah. Sorry, I should never have doubted you. <laughs> he's got that from Night Watchman. He's got that release that basically comes from orbit as well. Like, you know, yeah. Um, if only he had another ten Ks. West Indies are probably liking to have another ten Ks, but um, he's been arguably <laughs> giving like I say, man, it's it's you know, it's not all about pace. It seems to be an emphasis for a lot of teams, but you know, like look look at some of the best bowlers running around. Like, James Anderson guy, guy who's not quite happy to take a bit of pace off the ball and use accuracy and stuff. Yeah, it, it, he just seems to genuinely not like it when he gets hit for runs. Like it's just you know he's, he's always operating around like around or under that two runs and over kind of thing, and that's just where you want your bowlers to be at, be at at test level. Yeah. Absolutely, and he's been given probably the hardest job in world cricket, which is being a captain of the West Indies, or the way that they're oh, um, like it's, it's they're looking stru- pretty good now, I and mean, it's still not great, but. Yeah, the Back way in the day, it was terrible. Their structure's been set up. I mean, you know, no one really... Like, all of their gun players, the Bravos, Gale, all those players getting into stouches with the, the West Indian Cricket Board. And we're not going to go into into that because we don't really know what's happening behind the scenes. But obviously, that there's there's issues behind the scenes between the team and the board, and that's taken some mining out. It was like... He was picked it as... Was, it was effectively like your dad giving you a car and saying, here's a gift, son, Windows were smashed and the thing was on fire and the bloody <laughs> and he was, breaks. He was 22, 23, I think, when they gave him the captaincy yeah. as well. Like, hard gig. Yeah. And especially for a guy at that point, wasn't you wouldn't say that he'd make the side as a bowler and you wouldn't say you'd make the side as a batsman. He was definitely just, an all-rounder, but he just none of none of his skill sets, you'd say, were, were definitively test quality. And he's, not only has he become a, a pretty good captain, he's also... Um, really become a, a genuine test bowler and you know a genuine chest middle lower order batsman like for can't guy, argue with a guy that's got a double hundred next to his name for an administration that has like around that time couldn't seem to make a right decision that was definitely the best decision they made at that time well I don't know whether it was I mean I, I don't know whether you can give the credit to the administration I think that just all goes to Holder it was just he didn't know whether he was ready for it and he just Shouldered the it. burden, you know. Made he was Frodo Baggins. <laughs> um, but um, what was I going to say? Sorry, it's gone. It's gone. Wasn't that important? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we will jump into the uh, the rest of the test. So from there, the Indians came out and did what the Indians do, and they put on a, a pretty big score, three hundred and forty-three in the second innings. Coley. Um, scored a 50. Uh, they got into the top order okay. They knocked them off pretty cheap. But uh, Coley ended up getting a 50. 
Um, he partnered up with Rahane, who ended up scoring um, another 100. He seems to really like uh, scoring runs overseas. He's a really... I, I really rate Rahane. Um, he's a, I think he's a great batsman in that middle order. Yeah. Um, and then um, Vahari chipped in with a 90, which just sort of put them over the edge. And um, they sent the West Indies in and it's going, fetch that. And then... And then I, Jasprit Boomer um, just watched his wickets from that spell. Four bowls in that fiver, and he cut those batsmen to pieces with those deliveries. Yeah. What a... He must have the biggest right shoulder in the world. Like, <laughs> the amount of shoulder that's in his bowling. You know, he only... What, he runs in off eight steps and just goes, whack. And it's, and it's like... fast, it's accurate, it I does mean, stuff off the deck. He, and, like, yeah, yeah, the ball that he got... Um, Bravo with was phenomenal. That was a great ball. Nip back oh, and yeah. read up yeah. off the seam. Mm. I took off top of off. That was a great ball. I wonder if um, Joffre Archer has a poster of him on his wall because that's definitely what he needs to be aiming for. Is just he, he's the trailblazer for that twenty twenty bowler that's come in and just made massive inroads in the Test team for the, for his country. And it's just it's awesome. Like it was a guy. I, got, I think we all would have at the time just said like. How is this guy who's running around with the weirdest action in the world bowling bowling in 2020s going to transition to test matches? Well, he's, he's like that Australia series. My God, like I, I just couldn't imagine him doing that to an Australian team, and he did it. And he unfortunately uh, went a long way to winning that series in, for him. In 12 he's tests, legit. I think in 12 tests, Boomer has gone from like the 73rd ranked bowler to the seventh. That's a massive. Like moving, shaking like that in twelve tests to climb the ranking. You gotta be a fan of him because you you can't imagine that he's. You feel like he'd be a very self-made athlete too, because nobody nobody who comes into the game with that kind of technique has gone through the cricket academies or you know been like had it fed to him. Like no one's no one's coaching that technique. He's just something that's worked for him, and he stuck to his guns and made it work at the the elite level. I can just imagine Chesbrook Boomerang just like starting off like playing street cricket, (laughs) and the guy goes, "Yes, I finally get to bat," and he just runs and he goes, "Wow." Could you imagine (laughs) imagine him coming through like an Australian school system and getting recognised and now like. Yeah, futures program like he that have been coached out of him well before he got to any point of. Mm. Well, I think to be fair, like the Australian school system, they seem to pick like Josh Hazelwood as an opening batsman and Mitchell Stark was a keeper. They just seem to go, this guy is the body type to bowl fast, to, to bowl fast and do it well. Like you, you might say that Sean Tate didn't have a very orthodox action, and you know, same, I guess the same to an extent with Mitchell Johnson. Like he definitely kind of cleaned it up, but there was a very slingy time in his life as well. And, yeah, yeah, but there's a difference between a slinging action and what Boomer does. Like, that just beggars belief how he manages to get the ball to go. What he does. Like, um, Must have just slipped through the cracks, I guess. All yes. credit to him. It was a, he's a phenomenal bowler. And, um, yeah, so. That's what happens when you get in the nets, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, with, uh, with that, India moved to 60 points, I believe, in the world. Test Championship. Yeah, and we're getting a bit of an idea of how these uh, World Test Championships are getting marked at the moment, which is, <laughs> I don't necessarily mind it. Like, I, 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 like, I like the fact that, you know, they're kind of taking into account different variables as to, you know, if you're not playing as much cricket, it's worth more kind of thing. Yeah, so it's weighted, like obviously, a five-test series has got um, less points do, for a win. Do you think that encourages teams to play, like, short 
test series the, though. Like the, the, no one wants the, to see the two test. The series, series tends, on, seems on, to be traditional though. Like the Australia play New Zealand in two test series traditionally in Australia. Yeah, I, th- and I just it's, think, it, it's not like they're changing though. Like it's not like they're going to go out of their way to play two test series and stuff going forward. I think it's just what's yeah. traditional and they're just going to go with that. Honestly. I don't know. I tend to think that's something to definitely be concerned about though. Is um, you know, especially if it's going to be something like um. Like a team like you know India playing someone at home, you're banking on them sort of winning those two, and you're getting you know 120 points out of a two-test series. Where if yeah. you're playing a longer yeah. series, well, you that's know, where it could that's well where be against a minnow like like Bang- well, Bangladesh aren't really minnows anymore, but that's where your um, theory comes in, as I think as well. They need to look into start. They they need to put more weighting towards away series wins and home series. Absolutely, wins I think like moving that. forward, obviously it's right in its infancy of this championship and. Um, I think moving forward, what they're going to have to look at is is definitely giving, um, looking at it like the home and away, and you know your at the moment it your, should be like worth triple in your championship like, soccer games that your soccer away goals are worth more than soccer home goals. I think that's something they're going to have to look at for the World Test Championship. Otherwise, it's just basically going to be you know teams holding home field. Um, yeah, exactly. Like India, there was a period there where they were just playing at home for like it seemed like just literally for a couple of years yeah. kind of thing. But not only at home, India have got a lot of similar conditions. To Bangladesh, you know, in Bangladesh, in Sri Lanka, um, so they, they play a lot in conditions that suit them more often. Whereas, really, we've only got Australia and South Africa are probably the only two where you're really the same. England's way different to us. Subcontinent's clearly different to us. The West Indies is, you know, um, probably close. I should probably almost say it's. I don't even know how you describe the West Indies at the moment. <laughs> the pitch is doing a bit off the seam, and then it turns into a bit of a um, minefield. A bit of a minefield towards the end. Um, New Zealand is sort of maybe probably closer to England than it is to us. You sort of favour yeah. swing and seam. Depends so, on the day, I guess. In yeah, New Zealand, it's depends on the day. Weather mostly plays in those. So I just yeah, you know, subcontinent teams lend up playing more it, it, more often in conditions that suit them. So you know, it's it's something that we get used to. The other thing that you want to consider before going off too far off topic and delving into it is, um, I really think they probably should use the same ball for the championship. So yeah, I, I as, think... a, as a bit of a control, so you got obviously you've got pitches and conditions and all that sort of stuff, which are your variables. But I think there needs to be a control in there, and that should be that they they pick a ball and that's your test championship ball. I think that's the big thing as well. Is you got to get like it's it'll be interesting to see in the in over this championship how um, what the emphasis is for every team and how much they put value on it and whether or not they you know just think it's kind of if, if, if winning, you know, a few series away and trying hard, because everyone goes out there and trying to win the series and they're trying to give them the best chance to do well in games. But it'd just be interesting to see how much stock they put in that, because, like, I guess, like, what do you, like, what do you guys think? Do you, like, I think are, you, are you guys, do you guys think, like, would you necessarily value this more than, like, an Ashes or something like that, like, going forward, or, like, a World Cup even, I guess? I, I think Ashes on? is a bit different. Like, the Ashes, for us, it's... It's the original rivalry in it's cricket. It's the history of the Ashes. It's, so um, I don't. I would think personally, the choice being that if we, if they told me you'll win a home and away Ashes series in this two years, but you'll lose the World Test Championship, I would take that. Hundred percent. Um, without a doubt. At this point, maybe in a few years' time, like I guess it's kind of like the twenty twenty World Cup. Like we don't. But but that would be I feel the only exception maybe a away series in India if they said you're going to lose every other test this year but you'll win in India, um, 
still probably not. I think the only one that I would be if you trade off, you can you can win and retain the Ashes in this two years. So you win the two series, or you can win the World Championship. Can't have both. I'd take the Ashes, but that'd be anything else. You play for the. What do you What do you get for winning the? The championship. I don't know. I suppose the kudos. Kudos. I'm not sure what. <laughs> they better have a really good design trophy. That's all I'm saying. Um, I think it's a great. I think it's a great setup. Absolutely a great setup. I like the idea. I do, and I like it. It just kind of puts a bit of interest, and it's the closest thing you'll ever get to a Test World Cup kind of thing, where you know, like you're not. It's just not feasible to have a Test cricket played in a World Cup format. And what I love about it which I think is what we love about test cricket is it's over such a long period of time. So you can't just it's have fitting, a yeah. you can't just have a good run or a good day and and win it. Just like you can't have a good day and win a test match. I mean the Australia England test we talked about in the other podcast, England had a horrible day and still ended up winning a test match in that in that second day where they got rolled for 67. Australia had and, a horrible day and then England um, had a worse day. You know, you need to be good for more than just six or seven weeks like in a World Cup. This is something you need to have prolonged form that travels over the course of two years. And I really love that idea about mine yeah. with the Test Championship. Is it? It's like Test cricket. It's got to be done over a long period of time and really tests your, your ability as a team to adapt to new situations. And, you know, it's not all... You can't just be like, yeah, we've, we've had a good run of form. You know, Steve Smith has a good run of form that lasts for... You know, two months, and that means that we've won a championship. Now you've got to be good for a long period of time, which I think is really fitting for a Test championship. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I I think you can then um, really put a bit more weight uh, as well when you've got you know the number one ranked Test team versus number two ranked Test team. It puts a little bit more in it. You know, like now it's uh, you know. Ashes tests are big. I mean, Ashes series are big and Australia versus India are big. But, like, imagine if Australia was ranked one and South Africa's ranked two. Like a, a sort yeah, of... Yeah, it's like, so it's in a ladder system. Those are the, yeah. the top two from the last World Championship. Yeah, I, I think it, it sort of gives you a, a more... Like, I remember a series where we'd come off... We'd just come off a horrible 12 months and the way the ranking systems work, I'm not 100% on top of this, but... The, the poor rating that we got for a really bad 12 months had just dropped off because I think it's like a rolling 13 for their ranking systems. So because of that, coupled with a series win, we'd become we'd gone from losing a whole bunch to now being the number one test team in the world. This is when South Africa are at the peak of their powers and everyone's like, there is no way that yeah. Australia is first ranked You knew, you knew it wasn't sustainable. Yeah, you know, it was like, this is not going to be very long. Pure long mathematical long. happenstance because South Africa have yet to play their... Series and we just had our bad run of form drop off the whatever mathematic formula makes up the test rankings. It just sort of it muddied the waters a bit. And well, I like this. It's a definitive. You have won this many games in twelve months. You are number one on our ladder, and was, you have won. It was the same when Australia dropped down to it was like fifth or something in the rankings, and that's it's like the lowest they've been for ages and ages. And it was just kind of you, you know we just had very slim pickings in the test series for that for that calendar year and. Just had a terrible time because we didn't have, you know, two very good batsmen playing in our team and guys not scoring centuries. Hmm. One thing I'd like to see moving forward from this uh, this World Test Championship that they're going with. Last point on this before we move in and talk about um, 
New Zealand and Sri Lanka, is I'd really like to see the ICC start becoming a little bit more proactive with some of those associate nations. I'd really love to see a secondary world test championship from teams nine through... I think at the moment what we've got, we've got Ireland, Afghanistan and Zimbabwe. Well, Zimbabwe not anymore because they've... No, they're not... They've been denied um, tests. So we've got, we've got two teams that aren't... Um, in this World Test Championship, unless I'm missing someone, and that's all we've got. Well, are, are yeah. Ireland in the championship? No, it's only no. the top nine teams. Okay. So, um, so Ireland, uh, Ireland, and Af- Ireland, Afghanistan are not in the World Test Championship. Yeah. I would like to see the ICC become proactive and start getting more nations becoming test affiliated. And having them play their own championship to have places 9 through, say, 12 or 13, depending on how you can fit that in. And then if you finish last in that two-year cycle for the World Test Championship, the team that finishes ninth, yeah, comes up. Relegation a bit of a relegation system. system. Now, I know there's all sorts of... Um, just, just puts a little bit more in, in, in the tests against low-ranking nations. <coughs> and I think there's things that you could do in there. Like, for example, you want to develop your game, so you have to make it at least... You have to play a two-game series against one of these um, lower-level nations. And I think... Because yeah. I think that the big criticism out of that is what happens if Australia falls out of the top nine and you can't play against England. You can't play the Ashes because you're in two different tournaments. So I think if you if you enforce it, you've got to play one series. So all the top nine teams have to play one series against at least one of the... Um, Established. The, the top associate eight. teams. Oh. Um, so yeah, your top nine teams have to play one series against the associate teams. Um, they don't go towards either team's rankings like the points for that so you're not just going to go and beat up on Ireland and get some easy points but it's part of a development thing so that way it would free it up so if Australia or England fall out of that top nine Australia still has that ability to then go and play an Ashes series because obviously it doesn't matter how bad either team's going we're going to get up and we want to want to see the Ashes same token is if India for whatever happens falls out of that top nine that's obviously a big money maker for world cricket everyone's going to schedule in well, my, my series against the associate nation will be India. So you yeah. still have that freedom and flexibility <laughs> Look, that you... I, I think if uh, India got ranked below seven, I think some serious money would change hands. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but so, I, it just just sort of um, going thinking forward to sort of anticipate any shortcomings of that plan. Uh, but I, I really would like to see that the we, we get on the front foot here. We're always putting some thought into promoting Test Cricket and maintaining its viability. And this week, as we've talked about, we've had to have two podcasts to get out to cover it all. Like, there's been some amazing Test Cricket play this week. It's the pinnacle of the game. It's the game that we really should be trying to preserve. And you can just you can just see that people want to play Test Cricket. Ireland have been struggling for years to get become a Test side. Like, they've wanted this for so long. You know, Afghanistan have gone and become a test nation as well. So I think there's a real chance for a real push to, you know, I think the investment, get some... But that's that's the, that's the next point as well. Is like that's the, the relegation system probably should be the next step. But I think that's with a view to having at least those three like teams get it with a view to, you know, yeah, jump like, in, jump in moment, somewhere. What are, what are Ireland and Afghanistan playing test cricket for? 
Like if they're not gonna yeah, get I a mean, chance to Ireland is essentially right now just a warm up nation. It's good. Yeah. It's getting and those countries to buy into it. I think as well. But it's, if, it's if you've got to go and if you've got to go and play, if you play those games, you don't have no reason to play against them because it doesn't affect your championship score. Why would you go and schedule it? Oh, England only essentially did that. England played Ireland recently because it was a warm up for the Ashes. Well, we played um, an intra team game. England played Ireland. I think Australia should have played Ireland as well, to be honest. I think they yeah. should have maybe delayed it for a week and Australia should have played a game against And I would Ireland. have watched it. <laughs> it, just, it just makes more sense, though, to have Ireland playing test cricket like and getting to that level. Like It, it needs to be more done by the ICC. Like I say, the, the, the funding models, like I haven't, I haven't seen anything lately, but like the funding models always seem to be like, these these mid these associate nations are just kind of well. That's an the big sticking point. It's not going to get take off because India basically bankroll world cricket, and it's going to cut into the BCCI's um, profit margins if they've then got to go and subsidise two more associate nations. So uh, that's where the, the big sticking point where you know the possibility of having two classes and a relegation system is really going to run into it is someone's going to have to fund these teams but at the moment because they can't stand on their own two feet. You're so. also looking at a different market. That's the way you've got to look at it. It's, it's, you know, these people, you know, they, they, they might, there's people out there that are looking for a new sport. Or like Irish people, they, they you know... They love their they, sport. They've got, they've got the county, like, just across, you know, just across the way kind of thing. Like, it's, these people, it makes sense for these guys to be there. Afghanistan's the same. They're, you know, they're right next door to all these cricketing nations. You know, if you're going to expand, you expand to your neighbours, kind of thing. Let's like let's do that. Yeah. Get get these guys in the championship, and then we look at having this secondary, you know, relegation system, but with like yeah. other nations. And that's like that's at least two, three, four cycles down the line. That you're looking, you know, anywhere between four to ten years before that's realistically a something that you could really have a relegate. I do think that there needs to be um, some rule the ICC puts in that forces. Um the top nine teams to play a series against Ireland or Afghanistan within that two-year cycle because they're not going to get better unless they get to play cricket. So there needs to be something in there where they get to go and play, and it's got to be at least a two-game series. The hard part about that is, I guess, you need to find two more countries at least because the scheduling there is like, say you make a rule where you have to play in a calendar year one series against a team, then there's there's three teams. Suddenly they become spoiled for choice. It's like... There's, everyone wants to, and you're going to have to fear this India calendar well, where there's three nations that have to play, you know, well summer maybe, over here, winter over here. Maybe and, every two cycles, that every two, because it's a four year cycle, you go two cycles, that's four years. <laughs> Ireland and Afghanistan have to play each nation once in four years, and that's not a big ask. No, no, I, I completely agree. I just, I think this is where they should be trying to, like, think. Okay, well, let's find some more nations to get involved with this. You know, they need they need to try and and it's not like you say it's going to be a couple of cycles down the way. But this is something they should have thought about when they were think when they were investing in this. Like, let's you know, let's let's there's depth there. There's depth in cricket. You know, we're, we're looking at different leagues popping up all over the world. Let's try and invest them in the long form, not just the short form as Absolutely. well. Absolutely, the short form should be the doorway, and the long form should be where they're aspiring the, to get the, to. The short form's the money, and the long form's the prestige like if you want to play serious cricket you've got to play that long form 
Anyways, I know it sounds like we're having a bit of a go at the World Test Championship over that last couple of minutes, but we're all really big fans of uh, of the idea. We just think that some tweaks there will... It could be it's really beneficial to the product. to the you know the final product the cricket is. Anyways, let's move on to the other test that we were going to talk about, which is the New Zealand Sri Lanka test match. Um, so that was uh, in Sri Lanka. So um, yeah. and, and series and, and this up. is this is done and dusted, isn't it? Yep, that series is over. It was one all. That, this is why I hate two test series. Yeah, <laughs> you're always waiting for that third test, aren't you? That yeah, decider. Yeah, like can can they just put one on? Like I know it wasn't planned, but can they just like you know, Bit just of backyard in, you know, just informally. Yeah, can we, just, can we hold it? You know, that, look. Maybe they can just pick not, who scored the most boundaries over the last. Even two if tests. they can't find any grounds, we're not using ours right who now. Who do that? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, this is a, as we're talking about. This is a, a great test that that really shows off how you can win cricket in in different ways. So um, Sri Lanka batted first. Uh, obviously, it was a bit of a rain affected match, um, and they ended up putting on a, a score of about two hundred odd. Um, Lost a fair chunk of time in this test match, and so uh, the New Zealand, rather I should say, decided that they're going to bat long and went off and scored uh, 431. Um, batted into day five, declared, hoping to give themselves enough time to bowl um, Sri Lanka out, and and they did. It was a great, it was just a great example of test cricket. Um, it was yeah. So one of those draws where you know. People had kind of penciled in a draw. Yeah, one of those, and, and they've one just of, one of the teams <laughs> just refused to give up. Um, some really good showings there. Um, <coughs> so we've got um, in the first innings, uh, De Silva scored a hundred in the middle order for um, Sri Lanka. Really held that innings together and got them two forty four. Mm. Um, Kuranatne scored uh, sixty five, so a good showing at the top of the order against a pretty good um, New Zealand bowling attack. Um, yep. I think Southie picked up four for another great showing for the old Wiley veteran. Um, yep. He's still around, isn't he? Yeah. Then we move into the second innings. Tom Latham, big opening 100. Um, 154, I believe. I think that's his 10th. Um, Look, it wouldn't have been pretty, but he got the job done. It would have been, it's his 10th <laughs> test 100. I think he's got 1550s. I think you really got to start looking at Tom Latham as possibly being the. Um, you know, right in that discussion is the best opener that New Zealand's produced. He's he's a classy player. Well, they're not known for their uh, top order players, are they? Let's get really. some New Zealand fans out there. I'd like to, I'd like to get some names thrown around. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, they probably. I mean, Stephen Fleming. He was a. Open. He, he did a bit of opening, didn't he? Yeah. Was he a test well, opener? I, I thought know, he was a one day opener. Batted at four for the test matches, I think. Yeah. Well, there was Fleming. I they mean, seem to jump around. Great batsman, you think of Martin Crow, but you know he was in the middle order. Um, but other New Zealand greats are, you know, kind of all all rounders. You can't really count Chris Cairns now, <laughs> um, but Richard Hadley for sure. Um, and then some bowlers, you know. Like, yeah, he's, well, he's got to be in the conversation. I'd, I'd like to see, you know, that, it'd be something like the the, boy, the boys across the ditch, like. You've always got a bit of a soft spot for this new, these New Zealand teams, and we've been following them for the last few years. And they kind of went through a bit of a bit of a, bit of a like they were in the wilderness there for a while, and they've they've just got a really good balanced team, and they've got a great leader in Kane Williamson. I tell you, who's criminally yeah. underrated is BJ Watling. How many gritty Vanguard style 
innings have we seen BJ Watling play where he just hangs about and hangs about, puts price on his wicket and grinds his way to a match-saving score. Like, hey, you've got another 100 in this one. And What are his numbers? He's a keeper, isn't he? Yeah, he's their wicket-keeper. Yeah, he's, um, so he's, he's 38 points. That's, that's great. 1750s and 700s, and I've seen a couple of, like, back-against-the-wall hundreds that he scored. He's, and he's never really spoken about in that sort of keepers going around... He's, sort of, he's always yeah. been like he's he's always been a talent with the gloves, and his batting, yeah, like you say, just I remember he he had part to, part to do with that that three hundred that um that uh McCullum scored, scored. Yep. in that Test series. Like he's he's been just, around. He's had some classic knocks for him. Just puts value on his wicket. Nice, tough, gritty, lower order batsman. Great wicket keeper. Never sort of gets the, the, the credit that he's due, I think, in sort of the big... Well, see, the, the problem media. with him is he doesn't play many reverse switch hits over um, point for six. Yeah, you, you, know? don't, like, you don't see him a lot in their, <laughs> um, in their one-day side. So I'll tell you, he just I'll tell you what, like, he could, he could... like Tim Payne could definitely... Uh... Can we Russell Crow him? <laughs> we, we're batting... We'll, put, Look, him in the, we'll mate, put him in the middle order. The, the list's growing. Benny Stokes and, and uh, BJ Watling... Yeah, I, I'd take him ten years ago. That's for Kane, sure. Kane Williamson, we can well, we can look, Russell throw Kane they, Williamson, they, can't we? Look. Let's have a Trans Tasman Test team, <laughs> an Anzac team. Yeah, like the British Lions, but in cricket form. <laughs> Absolutely, get that going. Um, how good would Trent Bolt look? Well, how, good would, took... how good would Kane Williamson look at three in this Ashes series right now? Oh Williamson. God. Um, Smith and then Labuschagne at five. We could open the bowling with Trent Bolt too. Trent Bolt come in. (laughs) Bolt and Stark opening the bowling. Yeah, Williamson captain would have BJ Watling be our wicket keeper. Latham and Warner opening the batting. We'll definitely have to call. I don't know who do you who do you call about the New Zealand cricket, Australian cricket, prime ministers. Like we can have their prime minister too, surely. Yeah, take that. Um, we'll sort that out, guys. <laughs> so yeah, so um, New Zealand really paced their, their innings quite well. Got into the fifth day, still added another fifty runs in quick time on the fifth day. Um, uh, Southie came in and knocked a few around. I'm pretty sure I read a stat that Southie's hit more sixes in his career than Sachin Tendulkar now. He's a goer, um, which is pretty amazing when you think about it. Jesus, uh, Tendulkar is. <laughs> Been at the crease a lot longer than Tim Southey, so... Yeah, um, but boundaries were bigger in the 90s. <laughs> Gone are the days. Oh, Glenn's all getting Man. misty-eyed from that's the actually, That stat makes you a little sad. Yeah, I watched, a, I watched a couple of episodes of Twins of Destiny last night. <laughs> Got the nostalgia finally. <laughs> <laughs> this is so not the time for Twins of Destiny, <laughs> Um... <laughs> So fifth day in um, New Zealand really put on a show with their bowling attack. A really it was a, like, a, a group effort bowling attack, hunting in packs, and they um, ended up knocking um, the Sri Lankans off in seventy overs and winning the Test and leveling the series. And um, it's pretty indicative of their team, though. It's just so well balanced. Like they, they, every guy plays it. It's like we talked about in the World Cup episode. It's just you know they all find a way to contribute. We're talking about with Marnus Labuschagne in the last one. It's just there's these guys, and it's just you, you pick a guy for a reason, like and you compare that. And I, I, I don't want to sound harsh, and it, it seems like we're on a warpath. But you compare like a selection like Tom Latham or anyone like that, where it's you know these guys they know their their role, but then you've got on the Australian side of things, you've got like Usman Kawaja who just seems to be in there 
because he once scored runs a few years ago kind of thing. It's just like, we're picking on reputation. New Zealand are picking on, this is what we want. Our bowling attack does this. There's three very distinct styles of bowler in our seamers, and we've got a few different spinners in there as well. And then there's like a, oh, I failed with the bat, but I can do this. Like, I'm going to make up, like, you know, with with Martin Guptill. Martin Guptill on the ODIs. You know, obviously he's not there in the tests now, but, um, like, he, he, it's just... Yeah, New Zealand just, think about it a lot more. It's it's very like even that's to be admired in their team is the fact that it's just it's not it's not about you know the the old boys club like this guy's been in here and we don't want to drop him because it's going to be a hard conversation. It almost seems like it's just like this is a team also, we're trying to win. We're trying to get the best result. And they also don't have probably the same level of support that the Australian side have. Probably they don't have the same amount of pressure because. You know, our Australian cricket side is, is under conflict. But they've scrutiny. always played to a high standard. Like, they've always... They're, I remember reading Vittori's biography ages ago, and it was like they always wanted to get to the semis in World Cups and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like, they, they, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't you know, settle for, like, you know, oh, we're, no one's watching us anyway kind of attitude that you could have yeah. taken, maybe. It's like, no, we want to, like, we're going out here to play well, and it seems like a your cultural yeah. thing over they're, there. They're from a nation that has, well, five million, six million people in it, yeah. and they're all rugby crazy. Yeah, it's, it's not very much a rugby market. And I think they're actually, this this iteration of cricket players, like, it'd be interesting to, see, to talk to Joe Blow on the street, but it seems like, you know, they've, they've, they're kind of taking up more of a market share. It seems to be like, you know, obviously rugby league's taken a few rugby union players, yeah, but oh, cricket's kind of taking a bit more viewership. I'm, I'm like. going to New Zealand in October, so I'll, I'll talk to a couple of blokes. Yeah. Yeah, Joe Blow's on the street. Get Two a bit steps. of a oh, going, yeah, 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 like, you know, foreign correspondent. Right? Two steps yeah. in a gully, foreign correspondent. <laughs> taking this globe, I'll just baby. put on, like, an English accent. What I love I'm about on the street. Taking it overseas. <laughs> Sorry. What I love about the New Zealand side is that they just seem to be... They don't focus on what's going on around them. They just focus on themselves, and they all know what they need to do. And they're a team that's just so well-led, and they're so confident in their own abilities that they're just like, this is how we're going to do it. And they just, they're just they so good at going and executing that. You know, if you know, had Kane Williamson been the linchpin of that um, top order for a while, he didn't fire, but Tom Latham did. BJ Watling in the lower order pieced it together and put the runs together. They're, you know, you're asking to bowl a team out, a team that's predominantly made up of quick bowlers, and let's face it, Sri Lanka is not really a, the place where quick bowlers go to thrive, but they've gone and gone, you know what? We can do this. Give us 70 overs, and we'll knock this team over in the fourth innings. And back themselves to do it. And it's the same way they played their one-day cricket. They've just, they bucked the trend. They don't worry about well, the only way you can win cricket is to score 350 plus and, you know, basically the other team runs out of balls before they can score the runs. They go out there and they just make a they just make a habit of putting together just good quality cricket innings and then they go and defend that score. The same with this. They've just put their quality, they know what their roles are, they know how they want to attack the game and they just go and execute at a very high level. But that, like, just speaking about that now, kind of, it, it sounds eerily similar to, um, to another team, which is that mid mid to late thousands England team which was just you, you you never like an English team as an Australian but they just they found a way to win whatever series they were trying to play at the time it was just we'll go to India and you know we'll we'll have a certain plan in place we'll you know we'll they, they won a famous series Alistair Cook's first series or something like that 
over there, or they enjoyed some success. Yeah, I think Alan, he scored 200 and, 194 and ended up getting run out because he forgot to put his bat down in the crease. Yeah, over the turn. So over a mountain runs over there. Peterson and Trot had a really great series over there. I remember an inning, uh, a delivery where I, th- I think it was Ashwin, so it was a spin bowler, I believe, um, just bowled this rank ball that got stuck in his hands and it just sort of dribbled out. And it was still technically live. Everyone thought it had gone dead. And Trot just walked down the wicket and sort of just got it from halfway and just sort of croquet shot it for four. And just went, well, ball wasn't dead. That's four runs. And yeah. everyone's... Did it Alan Border. <laughs> You've seen that clip where he just like... This ball goes out to cover. It comes out of his arm and he just chases it out to cover and smashes it. Playing within the rules. <laughs> a bit of a moral grey area. But, you know, like... Like you say, they just it, you know there, there was always someone scoring big runs in that in that lineup, and there was always a bowler that was doing the job, or if not, they were working as a team. And it was I think a very that's well when James team. Anderson really started to turn it around and and realise <coughs> that just because I can't swing the ball doesn't mean I can't be effective. He really that first half of his career, he just had his stats balloon so badly whenever he would left England. A real juncture for him. He was just getting in there and just trying to hoop the ball like he does in England. It wasn't working for him, and he just sort of he grew up a little bit and went, um, and there are different ways I can do this. I can still be effective. Like, he was almost unplayable. Like, he couldn't pick him at a point in his career to go and play over the subcontinent because he just, unless it was cloudy, he, just, he was a pedestrian. Well, pedestrian's a bit harsh. He's a world-class bowler. But you get what I mean. There was such a sharp was, decline in his was quicker, but he, yeah, he was definitely just... He only bowls when it's raining. Um... But yeah, he just that series. I think he just went and he just switched it around. He just figured out this is what I need to do to be effective playing over in the subcontinent, and just sort of put the swing away and started just really manipulating the seam and the angle. And um, yes, yeah, so like that. The team, this New Zealand team, is just constructed to be successful at cricket. Doesn't matter where it goes. They don't worry about who they're playing. They just know what they want to do, and they go and do it. And I think it's a really it's probably, yeah, like, I guess we brushed on it before, it's kind of the, the product of that New Zealand need to be winning, to be relevant in their country, as opposed to Australia where cricket is the summer sport. Like, you've got you've got that brief period in February where you're watching the Australian Open, but other than that, in summer, everyone's watching cricket if they're watching a sport. And, um, yeah, New Zealand... They have to if they want to stay relevant. They have to they have to be bowling. They have to be batting. They have to be going well in Test cricket. And I think that's what we talked about. I think we touched on it a couple of podcasts ago. But I really think that uh, both Australia and New Zealand, especially given how competitive both teams are at the moment, because let's face it, we've gone through some patches where New Zealand have been a pretty scratchy side, Test cricket side compared to Australia. They were never really, you know, they came over. Australia was never too worried about New Zealand. Like they always picked their game up for us, but they were just not in the same class. Now this that's not the case. You could argue that New Zealand is probably a better side than Australia at the moment. They've certainly got a, a stronger looking top order. Um, yeah, their wicket keeping is probably his position in the side is far more secure than Tim Payne's is. The only reason that Tim Payne's in the side at the moment is because he's got the C next to his name. I really think both Australia and New Zealand are missing the mark here. Could really fire up a really passionate trans-Tasman rivalry. They just go and actually put some some marketing and put some like actually get out there and and, and pretend that it's like or well, not even pretend it is a big deal. Like these two teams are are great teams and they really put the same emphasis that they put behind India and England when they come out to play. Like we all hear about 
know, we've got to play beat England because it's the Ashes. That's a given. But India comes out, you know, they're the best team in the world, and we've really got to get stuck in. And you know, we never beat India in India, and it's a really big series. I just there doesn't seem to be that same hype when Australia plays New Zealand. And if I was New Zealand, I'd be feeling pretty insulted because New Zealand are that that caliber of side now, and I just don't think that. Well, we're, I, think, I think the real test of it's going to be, and it's they, purely because when they come into when they come to Australia next, and it's going to be that that series in, in the summer. And Channel Seven's got some work to do. Like you know, this is this is a good product now. It's a, it's a you know this is a team that's only just and arguably hasn't just lost the World Cup. Um, they're at the peak of their powers right now. Like you say, this is the time to just kind of go. You know, if you want people watching your TV, watching yeah. your show now. Well, if New Zealand come out and beat us, that'll that'll start something. Yeah, sure. really start hyping it up because you know there's nothing the Kiwis like more than sticking the boot into us. Yeah. Even that last series, well, yeah, it, was, like, it was a pretty close series over here in Australia when we played Mitchell Johnson's last series where he's bowled <coughs> the whacker and he didn't decide he didn't want to bowl short balls anymore. Kind of, he got, he got the best of him, kind of thing. And that was a really interesting series. Ross Taylor scoring a really good double hundred in the, at the whacker to kind of tie it up and. They played a three-test series there, actually, didn't they? And that yeah, was, that was a series yeah. where Adam Voges and Usman Khawaja really cashed in on some pretty docile wickets. I think it was it was really disappointing for me as a fan. I'm pretty sure you two felt the same. Is that like they oh, were genuine yeah. roads that year? You I just, remember that. Look how far the they've come. The, the only thing that wasn't really a road was the um, the Gabba test, which was a day-night test, and it was probably only as interesting as it was because it was a day-night test. It was looking pretty docile during the day and then it really livened up at night time then they went to um, Bell Reeve and Bell Reeve was a road and I can't feel, I think it was Perth maybe was the where they played the other test and you know there wasn't a lot happening at that test either I feel like no it wasn't it wasn't Melbourne but Melbourne has oh, produced a few dry oh. pitches they need to fix that this year absolutely um, oh it's definitely something that's going to get talked about for that summer so I really think that's an opportunity that Australia and New Zealand could really, if they get together and put their heads together and really start hyping up these, you know, um, Chapel Hadley trophies and really make it something that's really worth getting behind because both those teams are at the calibre that it's it's good cricket to watch. It's not just, oh, well, New Zealand's over, but, you know, we beat them all the time. They're a, they're a good side. There's no a, pantomime villain, though, in the Well, in I think we can Zealand get behind side. that. New Zealand can we, is... Can we really start to hate Kane Williamson that much? I don't think that we don't like, need to I hate them. We don't he's hate... just not that hateable. I don't know? think we ever want a hate... Tri- like, it's like, it, the, the Anzacs. The Anzac spirit. We never want it to get to the point where we hate the... But we, you know, like... Yeah, we can. Like, <laughs> we don't hate South Africa, but they're always really we get behind it. They're really competitive series, and I think that's something that New yeah. Zealand will offer is a really competitive yeah. series. And I just we know why it's because India, like India and England, make cricket Australia the most money. That's what it is. That the most bums on seats, uh, the most television rights. That all goes through those series, and so as long as they're making their money on that, they really don't mind what happens with the other ones. Yeah. And I just. I think that's a poor attitude to take, and you need to be cultivating a better product yeah. with these ones. So have a three or four test series, really get stuck into it, make a big deal out of it, have your television advertiser really well, talking about I, getting stuck into the Kiwis. Yeah, I, I think Channel 7 needs to get in the net. <laughs> oh, well, Channel 7's got some work to do, definitely. <laughs> Um, all right, so I think we've touched on that. We're just um, not pushing it, going on, like you know, it's, it's got to come naturally. Mate. You'll, you'll, you'll get there, though. You'll get there. <laughs> so we've touched on the, uh, the the Kiwis, and so the Sri Lankans now. So um, 
Of they got out of that test series with a draw. Um, some good things to like about that. Yeah, a lot to like about the Sri Lankan team at the moment. For a, for a team that we were kind of a bit worried about there for a while with, um, you know, obviously losing, like, Joe Wardner, um, like, just a, just a bunch of guys at the same Sandy time. Kind of and all those sort of guys. Car hung around for a bit longer, but and he, like, oh, how good was he? I mean, like, when he was playing test towards the end there, how, how good was he? Great. But, um, just... Yeah, you've obviously had these like two other guys in um, Matthews and um, Chandamal hanging around for a while, but then Chandamal's like just kind of basically played his way out of the team with his, with his form, and then, yeah, they just kind of were in the wilderness until that last series against um, against England, and yeah, it was just well, they came out over here and they they looked like they were you know probably a team that was bringing a knife to a gunfight. And we were really looking out. They looked under man to come out here, and yeah. they gave us a bit of a scare early up, especially beginning at Canberra. Um, got yeah, out, moved our top top order early, and we sort of thought, okay, well, you know, that's they've sort of topped out here. This is that that Sri Lankan, and then they go over to South Africa, and they yeah, had a great series. They over beat there. South Africa in South Africa, which is. You know they're seeming decks. They're not spinning decks. Yeah, which it's, is it's traditionally really hard for with um, Coulson Pereira having a, a. Well, actually, I'm going to say it. Ben Stokes had a Coulson Pereira moment. To be honest, he was the one who did it first, so, yeah. and away from home. So he had that great knock at to fifty to get them home. better. Like yeah, just like it's for so many reasons. You'd have as well. to, I, I for mine, I know this is really picking it here. So I would give it to Pereira as the better innings because Pereira had to do it away from home. Yeah. But yeah. also, but also, yeah, you, you throw you throw it away from home. But it was also, you, you know, like, like it or not, these these guys, you know, Jack Leach had a ninety under his belt. Like the, these guys were a lot more seasoned, the English players, and they should have, you know, from that position where they were at when Joe Root got out. Like he, they, they should have probably chased that down quite comfortably from there. You know, they were in a much better position. I'll put it that way. Whereas, um, yeah, you've got you, you get down to the um, Sri Lankan lineup, and yeah, they've historically that that lineup was well, you know basically four out five out six out all out kind of thing you know at looking best. at that lineup and the, they haven't done too badly well, I, I can only assume that this was held in Sri Lanka yes um, because it it's winter here and you know the sun's setting at 4.30 in New Zealand um, <laughs> still the same kind of weather <laughs> so, those days. but yeah the, I mean like those they got a relatively new bowling attack and Kind of the end of an era because Rangana Herath has is not played this series. I assume that he's now retired. Yeah, yeah. He, what yeah. an athlete! I mean, he's 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 alongside um, you know Dale Stain is one of the great athletes to have played the game, right? Definitely alongside Shane Warne. Oh, I mean, like one of the last the buffer. <laughs> I'm just nicking all your catchphrases. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so like well, the thing with the Sri Lankan side is the they got out of this series with a draw, so they they fought hard and they uh, so they retained whatever. What, what's the um, so they're sixty the... points each. It's sixty points for a win when it's a two test series. So yeah. in that first test, they um, on a on a spinning deck, um, New Zealand set them two eighty or two seventy somewhere around that to chase uh, the whole day to play, and it wasn't exactly you know the best. Like uh, the best pitch to play on, so I think New Zealand had two fifty and two eighty in their knocks, and Sri Lanka were all out for two sixty seven or two sixty eight in their first knock. So that was you know two seventy was a, a fair ask on a wearing pitch, and they they did it with four wickets down. Um, ended up winning. So did know, Matthews make a bundle? Or? Uh, Kuranatray, 
Karunate, however you say his Karuna Ratna. I apologise for getting his name wrong. He had a uh, a big hundred at the top of the order. Oh, he's, um, he's in good form there. Tiramane got sixty four. I think they had a pretty long opening partnership. Yeah, he's a good player. Uh, and then um, Matthews, just having a look now. Matthews was twenty eight, not out. Um, so they chipped in with some scores to get them here. I think they needed to chase a little bit at the end because they needed to make sure they got there before time ran out. So they were going at a well over a runner ball. So, you know, yeah. things looking up for that Sri Lankan side. There. So the, yeah. everyone expected them to sort of just f- the wheels to fall off after Chai Wardner and Sangakara and Harath all retired. And yeah, they've looked scratchy in places and they've had innings where. Um, you know, they probably haven't played as well as well. They haven't played well, but over like they have the wheels have never fallen off. They've sort of you know they've come out and they've had a bad series here, and they'll go away and they'll regroup and you know they'll come right. out and lose quite convincingly in Australia and regroup and go and beat South Africa and South Africa. So it just yeah, it's a team that sort of just it's got a lot of fight to it. I think a guy who's found a, a little bit is that uh, Lakmal. Um, yeah, you know, he like looked he, fiery he, over here, didn't he? He was originally just a medium pace kind of pedestrian kind of, you know, like Kulasaker like was, in, but in tests, mm. you know. He captained for a bit, didn't he? I don't know. I, I think know. I think there but, might have been a, maybe just a test or something like that where he had to captain them. Kulasaker you know, like, or Lackmal? Lackmal. Yeah, I don't know, but like he's he's hitting up in the one forties, bending his back, hitting the seam now. He's been so at the mix, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> how many how many of these how many of these am I allowed? Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Well, I'll just start a counter, I think, for the next. I'll put a ding every time it comes out. I, I, Ring the bell. Yeah, yeah, I'll just do this. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, definitely, he's um. He, he's, he's turned it from a guy who was, you know, on the fringe, on the outer, to kind of a guy who's just cemented his spot in that team and is now one of the one of the spiritual leaders of that team, if not an actual bowling leader of the team. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's historically what um, Sri Lanka have lacked, like a fiery quick. You know, they've had your Shimindavas types who are great players, but... Just a foil. They're not. They're they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna run in all day for you. They're not gonna fire a side out. Just a guy who can hold the other end while. Yeah, Malinga was probably spot. close to that guy for a while, but yeah, the dad. <laughs> Speaking of ranking up, I know. Like, I we, mean, that, we, let, we, let's we just should. get this. Let's get this clear. He he had a quite. You know, he was he was quite a svelte young man when he was starting out, but. Just yeah. that world cup. Oh, man. Like we should, we should name a dad bot eleven. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, da- that's right, Darren, Darren Lehman. David Boone, Boone is the captain of that team for sure. <laughs> David Boone, Jesse Ryder, maybe. It's like the only team that David Boone is above Ricky Ponting from Tasmania. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a future podcast. Our uh, our dad bought eleven. <laughs> love it, love it. Early warning before he got on the the diet pills that his mum gave him. Oh, <laughs> just his plain career warning as opposed to media warning. Yeah. Anyway, oh, bring that guy back. <laughs> <laughs> just get rid of media warning. That's all we need. Take his Twitter account off him. Um, all right, guys. So. Uh, I've, that comes brings our massive two-part test championship episode to a close. So if you've listened to this one first, please go back and have a look and have a listen to our Ashes one. It's a um, long one, but it's a good one. Yes, we uh, got stuck about. into that. We hope you've uh, uh, appreciated our coverage. Obviously, we're far more familiar with what's going on in Australian cricket than uh, 
the rest of the world. No, but, but I we feel like to we just ca- speculate on, you know, <laughs> teams from other nations. It's, it's yeah. good though. It's like, just keep just keep an eye on this stuff, and it, it looks <laughs> like you know there's there's better quality across the board. Like I say, it's it's a, if you're going to take these three series as a metric to see how the state of Test cricket is, I think it's oh, it is a long, quite well, strong. It's, a long it's very well. strong, and it means a lot. Like this this. This World Chess Championship seems to mean a lot for these teams. It's good. It should do. We need to get them behind it. All right, so that'll do us for another week. So don't forget, like we said, two episodes out. So if you um, haven't listened to our uh, wrap of the Third Ashes tests, uh, the heroics at Headingley, uh, please do. Thank you for listening. Um, We'd just like to say that we're available on Spreaker, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, CastBox, and Deezer now. So our... Our reach is expanding, so um, the don't forget, also available on oh, SoundCloud. I'm on Tinder, too. Mate, <laughs> <laughs> we're working on the merchandise. Yeah. Um, Get in the nets of your t-shirts. We're also, uh, also available on uh, Facebook and Twitter, so just look us up, Two Slips in the Gully. I'd like to thank you again for listening, and we will see you all, we'll speak to you all next week. I'm Aaron. I'm Scott. I'm Glenn. See you later, guys. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.